Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. Today, we are speaking to someone who, in my opinion, would be one of the most unlikeliest candidates to do an MBA. <laughs> he comes across as a true entrepreneur by heart. It almost reminds me of my dad. Sorry, Steve, I don't mean to call you my dad. But, <laughs> you know, this is how my father started his business through hustling. And he's almost a raw, natural business person. He did not do his MBA, but Steve did. <laughs> That's why we're talking to him. That's why I was very keen to learn about how today's guest, that is Steve, got inspired to do an MBA and how his experience was. As, as mentioned, we're talking to Steve Charlton. Steve currently runs his firm called Infinity Loop Consulting as a managing director. Prior to this, he's run various other businesses, which he has sold off to his partners over time. Steve has finished his MBA from University of Westminster last year. He's also served as a soldier in the British Army for almost 10 years. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I know I did say I might call you Stephen, but I don't know. Steve just flowed naturally. <laughs> That's fine. Great. So, Steve, how would you like to describe your journey in your own words? Uh, traumatic, painful, and <laughs> interesting, invigorating. Uh, I don't really think I have enough words in my vocabulary, to be honest. Great. I mean, uh, I mean a, you know, now, now you have to expand. You got me curious. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, it, it's at its highs and lows. There's been an emotional journey as much as a professional one and a personal journey. Um, it's certainly been one where I've continuously had to adapt and change to the world around me. Uh, and I think that's that's probably, you know, why I did the MBA was to I needed to understand how I could apply my core skill set. Uh, and experience in a new way. Great, great. So, I mean, how how did your career progress? So, I I guess you started off your career in the in the army, right? Is that where it started? Is that uh, logical? No, no, okay. it kind of starts started before that, really. Um, so, I left uh, school and um, and home at a very young age. I left when I was fifteen. Um, I had no qualifications to speak of, um, and I I spent a couple of years uh, working uh, doing a, a junior IT role. Um, I joined the British Army as a reservist when I was 18, um, so it's kind of like a part-time job, if you will, a hobby, hobby almost, um, but I volunteered for overseas deployments as part of my career to, to do that, um, really because, you know, you just spend a lot of time training in your free time for that, and it makes a lot of sense to do it, um, but that didn't pay me enough money to keep a roof over my head, um, so my career was very much a case of, you know, what, what, what do I do? I've got no qualifications, I... Um, Really, I understood technology, but I didn't have any, if you like, real experience of, of working in a commercial environment on it. Um, and this was back, you know, sort of the late 90s when it was really cool to be in tech and there was still a lot of mystery around it, to be honest. Mm. Um, so for me, I gravitated into a commission-only sales role, sort of cut my teeth and understanding the, you know, the basic fundamentals of, of prospecting and of closing a deal. Um, I then moved into working for myself where I was selling website design services. Um, and that really was a, a collaborative effort. I, you know, the 2000 slash dot com bubble burst. Um, and it really was a case of, you know, I knew a couple of very, very smart guys who were very technical um, and they could code and, but they couldn't sell. And I just went, hey, 
I can I can make money selling your skills. Um, give me six weeks, and I'll make you know you'll know where your mortgage is coming from, payments coming from for the next three months. And I kind of worked out that if I went to smaller businesses and said, hey, I can get you on the internet for the first time um, for a reasonable cost, and off I trotted. You know, companies loved it. It was a low cost entry level um, point entry point for them. Um, it you know it was a market that a lot of people were ignoring. Um, a lot of the more traditional web design service providers and, and agencies, they were targeting the, the, the mid-market because they had big budgets. And I was going to your small little sort of five-man company, your micro-business that sold weird and wonderful things like agricultural products um, and getting them onto the internet for the first time so that they could showcase the kind of build, you know, showcase their products. I mean, working with an architect who specialised in designing agricultural buildings like barns, you'd never imagine, you know, doing doing business with someone like that conventionally it's kind of a niche market um and, and you know helping them understand that technology really could actually give them access to a much wider audience um give them access to markets that perhaps they wouldn't be able to get access to any other way um and, and that was kind of the beginning of my journey if you like it you know as an entrepreneur um i exited that business quite amicably with being bought out um and transitioned over into working, um, setting up a company called Intelligence. Uh, again, with two guys, the privatisation of the telecommunications market here in the UK. And these were two guys who were, you know, former corporate telecoms account managers. They were BT, so big firm. Um, and I basically said, hey, let's let's take this product, this concept of, um, at the time it was IP telephony and sort of basic hosted solutions. Let's take that into small businesses. Um and, you know, I, I did that quite successfully um, whilst doing a couple of tours overseas with the army, which in the end led to me exiting the business um, due to a clash of, shall we say, commitment. Um, but, you know, I did that for three years, made a good business out of it. And then from there, I went over into, I spent some time working with IT resellers, riding the crest of the cloud computing revolution as virtual server side and desktop virtualization technologies came to the market. And again, I was taking that into large enterprises, but actually I could see straight away that actually, no, you shouldn't, no one needs to be selling this hardware. So after about 18 months, two years of doing that, I went and set up a collaborative with a bunch of other guys. Um, 10 of us basically created um, a technology consulting firm where we were taking SMEs straight to the cloud. We were skipping that hardware infrastructure phase. So, you know, rather than, them having to um, buy storage and virtualize and go down that route. We were like, hey, you know, don't bother with any of that. There's a cloud platform over here. Yes, it's an early stage technology, but it's really, really good for you because it will grow with you and the technology is going to mature with you and you're in the perfect place to leverage it. It's going to be a source of increased competitive advantage and increased agility um, for you. And again, that, that went really well. Uh, I did that for nearly three years. I uh, got bought out by my colleagues, which was great. Um, and that was really when I decided, I got to a point where I was you know, 30 years of age, uh, well, a little bit older, um, and I was kind of sat there thinking, well, what do I do next? Um, and for me, it was, well, I've done the same thing in tech space. I've, I've built businesses that have been very successful in the technology services space. But actually, for me, the passion was, well, Actually, the passion was about people. It was where people and technology and processes, where it all interacts. But I didn't have the 
level of understanding that I think you only get when you work with a very broad range of businesses and have a, a wide range of experience. I didn't get that, and you know, from, from my experience, a very narrow focus. So the MBA was, you know, the decision to do an MBA was really about broadening my my skill set and learning how to apply it in different environments. I see. I see. Very interesting. So, at what age did you drop out of school? Fifteen. Fifteen. So now that you know whatever experiences you've gained looking back were you bitter at all about dropping out of school as as you as you grew i mean now you're you're doing well you've done really well for yourself but at any point of time did you ever look back and say that was a big mistake um for, for me dropping out of school was kind of a forced situation um it wasn't a choice um bitterness probably the wrong word um Certainly, I feel that if I'd had the opportunity to stay in school, um, I perhaps could have accelerated that learning curve. Um, the MBA, you know, going on to an MBA, working with people of that caliber, an MBA doesn't give you the solutions. But what it does do is it gives you a skill set and a bunch of tools that mean that, one, you can, you know, you can replicate your successes a lot more consistently, but also you can spot failure a lot more effectively mm. and learn faster. Um, it would have been interesting to see if you know if I'd had that that level of perhaps insight and and, and academic background combined with the pragmatic practical experience, whether or not the businesses that I've been you know consistently bought out of bought out of by my business partners, whether or not they would have turned around and gone, actually, Steve, you know, yeah, you've got the skills and the experience to actually, you know, instead it was like there was a, a certain negative perception that I didn't have the theory, um, and you know, brute force and ignorance can only get you so far far right <laughs> I mean, absolutely I, 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 learned, I learned a lot through natural curiosity hmm. but google will only get you so far <laughs> that's true that's true so so the last time you actually studied was around at 14 or, or 15 right and the next time you go on to the education is almost like 30 plus so that's a big gap how did you prepare yourself to get back into education oh wow now that's an interesting one um for me the GMAT was a very, very steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of pumped a lot of time, money and effort into getting private tutors to bring me my, my, my theoretical knowledge um, up to a level where I could have a sensible conversation um, and at least equip me with the tools where I could then start to develop my own learning path. Um, I was very fortunate in the fact that I, I know lots of very, very smart people um, who have had that traditional academic entry um, route if you like into into their careers so when i started saying hey guys um i've never studied statistics where, where, where can i find out they'd be very happy to send me a few links on youtube and then kind of you know if i had any questions i could turn to them uh, and so that that was really I, I you know i pulled in my network of other professionals really that had different experiences to me and I, I i committed about three months of my life to just bringing myself up to a point that when i stepped into the classroom for the mba on day one um what I was very paranoid about and very conscious of is I, I didn't really want to be the guy that held everyone else back. Um, I think I probably, in, in hindsight, I overcompensated. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that shows the amount of responsibility you went in with rather than, you know, I mean, on the other hand, you could have gone with the attitude saying, I am afraid of failing. But no, you went with the attitude that you don't want to actually want to hold back people. That's a very different way of looking at it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I've recently done a Gallup's strength survey because of some of the colleagues I'm working in. And one of my key strengths, if you like, is actually a sense of responsibility. Mm. Um, I'm very much a believer in collaborative working, but I never want to be the weakest link in the team. I always I have this belief that I have to add value every time I engage with a client or a customer. And I, I also firmly believe in this constant in the concept that everyone you meet in this world um, you're going to learn something from. You just might not realize it at the time that you're speaking to them. You might not realize it for 20 years. And sometimes even now it happens to me. I think back to conversations I had when I was in my early 20s and, you know, meeting someone for the first time, a, a more seasoned professional, and something will just click and I'll go, that's what they were going on about, particularly when you start looking at people management. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely very true. Now, in, in terms of making the decision of going to University of Westminster, now you, you were obviously at a point where you were not taking most of your decisions very lightly, right? So what what kind of considerations and thought process went into selecting that university? Well, a couple of things, really. Um, the first one for me was that I wanted to go to a top 100 school. Um for me, it kind of if I was going to go and, and study, I'd, I went to study with people that were in the in the top top ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want a school that was particularly focused on any one industry, mm-hmm. um, which and, and also it was my first year of marriage. So just, you know, <laughs> just starting out, yeah, just starting out on married life. And then also, you know, I then decided to go and do an MBA with my wife's support and. I, you know, I can't fault her for that. I think she's amazing for what she had to put up with for that first year. Um, but the decisions for me were I, I didn't want to travel too far away from home. But I, I think the big thing for me for Westminster was that I, it was, it's not in the top 25. It's probably in the, it's probably in the bottom 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but the delivery of the course and the MBA director there was fantastic, a lady called Kelly Vinson. She took the approach that you can read everything you like in a book. But the experience of the MBA is about providing you with a safe environment to screw up, to make mistakes, and to learn about how to apply what you've studied effectively. And the in, that was a really key point for me, was that this was a course that wasn't necessarily heavily weighted on my ability to read a book and regurgitate what was you know into, on an exam paper. It was a fact that I had to actually apply my thinking, working with commercial partners at, for each assessment that the university brought in. Um, and then there was a period of self-reflection and a piece of work that was a self-reflection piece where you'd actually go through and think to yourself, even if the project went fantastically well, how could I have done better? Not how could we have done a better job for the client? How could I have gained more from this? How could I have learned more? How could I have performed more effectively, more efficiently in how I interacted with my team and with the client? And I just really liked that model. Um, it was fantastic. And, you know, she's she's gone on to, to do all the other cohorts since. And for me, that continuous feedback loop that it created within myself, when you combine that with a powerful sense of natural curiosity, Westminster just seems to be a really good fit. Um, when I compared that to some of the schools over in the States, um, the US model seemed to be very much like doing any other masters. Um, and for me, it was kind of, well, I, I don't really want to learn what's in a book. I want to learn what works in the real world. I want to learn where people have made mistakes. And I don't want to talk to the people necessarily, learn about the people that have got it right, because to be honest with you, that's boring. I want to talk to the people that have, have experienced failure, and then I want to know how they dealt with it, how they addressed it, and how they turned it into a success. Yeah. And that's that's what the Westminster MBA mm-hmm. really did very, very well. And it was not aligned to any one industry sector. I had people that were hospital managers, which, you know, here in the UK, obviously, we have a... Um, 
a state-run health service right you know people that were, were running hospitals so they were clinicians that's that was what mm. their core profession was we had doctors of engineering from malaysia and we had bankers from italy so there's a real good real mix of people from different backgrounds different professional um perspectives if you will um and it was a very dynamic group very multicultural as well interesting interesting because that, that that's one question actually i had so how was your experience as as compared to you know others in the same batch i mean were you one of the experienced ones as compared to a lot of young graduates or was it evenly split or yeah so i mean with with the uk mbas generally the average age of graduation for is is between 30 and 35 so it's much it's much older than perhaps the american model um most you know as part of the criteria you have to have a minimum you know of three years having control of budget people you know hire and fire uh, and having that level of accountability and responsibility um that necessitates you know leadership uh, and you have to be able to evidence that so there were some people who had that only but only you know by the you know, did fulfill the bare minimum but academically they had doctorates of engineering so they were looking at coming onto an mba with a view to pushing themselves into more of a management focus then you had people like myself who had left school very very early on in their lives who had eight, nine, ten years of running teams getting projects delivered of you know really were learning by experience who really needed to have a a better understanding of why they'd had success why they'd had failure uh, and so it meant you know you've got people from different disciplines as well everything from IT through to HR it gave a very dynamic fit um i think when i started i was expecting to meet other people who have perhaps been a little bit more towards my end of the spectrum that they had more of the experience of actually you know they'd, they'd had to have that experience of firing someone and having them break down in tears because you know they're not going to make their <laughs> rent payment at the end of the month but also the trepidation and the fear of making that first time when you hire someone of god if i get this wrong you know in my case if i get this wrong this person's going to cost me a fortune and it can sink my business um so it, you know i think for some in some cases they had had that experience in other cases they've been working for big corporations certainly my mba has given me you know the, by engaging with people from working with larger organizations big multinationals it's given me a much greater insight the challenges and you know there's certainly a lot of discussion around how a more a more entrepreneurial skill set and mindset would add value into a large corporate environment um and you know even today i i meet with people then they go hey you know you'd be great in a big corporate and i say yeah i understand your problems and i want nothing to do with them um but i'll come in as a consultant <laughs> 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 and help you fix them which is a different you know different different issue yeah absolutely absolutely and and you know mba is not necessarily a, a cheap investment right it it's money it's it's effort it's time it's family time and and a lot of commitment around that uh, so it it hasn't been that long for you since you finished your mba but what is your view on the short term gains of of doing an mba versus the long term benefits i'm sure this is something you might have considered and something you might even have been questioned by others yeah i mean i, I was in a fortunate position i guess because i just been bought out of a company i had a pot <laughs> cash so the financial issue if you will wasn't really there for me um it was more about a lot loss of earnings rather than an out upfront cost mm. um the short term gain i think the short term is the level of confidence that you you know i can walk into a room and i can have a informed discussion with someone who's a c suite executive in pretty much any sector 
and, and I can add, va- add value to that conversation. Now, before doing my MBA, for me, I don't think I would have been able to do it, certainly not to do it with the, the level of confidence and credibility I now have. Mm. Um, the emotional experience is something that I think is a short term is probably your your first win because the I mean certainly for my MBA my average week was 100 hours a week wow. which it's a lot of work it's it's a huge amount of work and it, you know an MBA isn't a sprint it's an endurance test <laughs> <laughs> um, both physically and emotionally you know one of the things I'd say to anyone doing one is you know that, that healthy eating gym plan that you have yet yeah, been it because for the time you're doing your MBA you haven't got the time to actually go to the gym as much did as it should. help that you were in the army and you were trained to like like being that rigor or no <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so, this my military background gave me a certain level of self-discipline so when I knew you know and also I think you know that combined with my previous experience of running small businesses um, I think you know the self-discipline to actually just sit down and focus and get stuff done was a very beneficial um, mindset and skill set that I developed. Um, certainly coming out of the MBA, I have a much higher level of understanding of myself and how, how my ways of communicating, ways of working and my own personal values, so how that is perceived and impacts on others. And that makes me far more effective when I'm working in teams, uh, largely due to the fact that because I can then pivot my own approach to fit the team, mm. it makes me very much a, um, a jack of all trades in a lot of respects. I mean, they call it a master's degree, but really you, you, what you become is this person that can be dropped into any function of business and you can add value to that function. Absolutely. So what I'm reading is, 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 is basically it, it makes you a lot more conscious of, of different variety and different kind of people that you may not necessarily get by learning all that by yourself. You you just wouldn't get it. Um, I mean, you can sit there and read all the theory that you like. The MBA is a melting pot of hyper competitive hyper competitive people who are, you know, not force is the wrong word, but certainly you know there's a perception that it's a shark tank. But actually, modern working is far more collaborative, and it's this hyper collaborative environment where you quite literally do depend upon one another to pass or fail your, your, you know, the qualification or the assessment you're working on. When somebody fails, there's no point in, you know, you can't assign blame because actually if one person fails, the whole group will fail. So you have to, it really forces you to adapt yourself to fit the needs of the group. And certainly in, you know, modern leadership, modern management thinking, you know, the, the role of the, the leader is to be adaptable and to be agile in how he leads, depending upon the situation, upon the objectives, and also depending upon the maturity of the team. Um, in terms of the how used to working together they are, uh, and the MBA certainly gives you a very very strong skill set uh, to deal with that and to address that and to adapt to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now you, you know you come across as a natural networker. <laughs> in fact, uh, before we started recording, we were briefly chatting about uh, how networking is quite important, um, and MBA also keeps banging out about networking a lot. Now, what what's what's your view on this? You know natural way inclination towards networking and actually wanting to know more people versus something that you're almost trained and sometimes even forced to do it once you're doing your MBA. So the fundamental thing about networking is the same fundamental thing about people, which is that we're all human beings. Um, you know, there's, there's core things that we all share in common. Um, if, you know, some of the people that I've met through networking, through my MBA, realistically, will I ever do business with them? Probably not. 
because they're either in an organization that is so large that I'm, you know, realistically there's there's nothing I can do to add value. They've got the competency in-house or they might be in a sector that I have just no interest in engaging with. But it, it doesn't matter about whether or not they personally can add value to me in terms of putting more money in my pocket, which is a way a lot of people measure the, the success of networking. It kind of goes back to my point earlier about every person you meet, you're going to learn something from. You might not just might not realize it. For me, when I go out and I go to networking events, both MBA focused ones where I meet with my alumni and, and others, um, I look at what can I give to that, that community of people. Uh, and that can just be a different viewpoint. And, you know, over time, these things come back. It's it's karma, right? It's it's balance. Um, if you give a little, you, you'll you get tenfold back. And it just seems to be the way it rolls. I've met some fantastic people who were involved in some very odd businesses that I've managed to, uh, uh, you know, build relationships with. And, 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 you know, they have a very unique insight. I've met MBA, stu- MBA graduates and alum- alumni from around the world. Some of which, you know, I, on the back of a cigarette packet, helped me develop my current model, and that was involving tapas and wine, and yeah, you know, a good networking event. <laughs> and I kind of had a, a yeah, had too much to drink and over my mouth. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I've also met people from other walks of life and other parts of the world who can give you a very, very different perspective. Um, thanks to my my alumni web network, I've you know, when we were testing our enga- the engagement model with clients, I did projects as far afield as Mumbai, Delhi, New York, San Francisco, and obviously London and unfortunately Manchester. But you know, <laughs> I, uh, that's that's Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to go to Manchester. This is this is the second or third time in a week I'm I'm hearing good comments on Manchester in that that manner. I, I've never been to Manchester. It'll be interesting. I would strongly recommend it. I, I really like Manchester, actually. I mean, I think the people <laughs> are really friendly. I just find it, I think because I'm used to London, I find it to be quite a small city. But it's, uh, there's, there are a great bunch of people up there. And most of the really smart people I know are actually from Manchester. And I don't know how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, so, yeah, I mean, continuing on the same theme as what you were saying, is is that your motivation to even come on the show to to try and give back and to try and pay it forward because you you almost said yes almost immediately when i asked you the question whether you would like to come on the show yeah i mean for me it's kind of i think the most fascinating thing is to learn from other people's mistakes um i guess you know um i'm not a billionaire um i've had some modest success um i've i've had a few businesses that have done moderately well um, if somebody can wants to come and sit down, have a cup of coffee and just say, hey, you know, give me 15 minutes of your time. I'm thinking about doing this. Let me understand how you screwed up. Um, I'll always share that. And it's yeah. So me coming on the show, I, I do believe in paying it forward. I've, I've met some wonderful people that have helped and supported and guided me throughout my career, um, both personally and professionally. And I guess I'm now in a position where it's like, well, actually, yeah, I can pay it forward. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, there was a young lady who I was um, mentoring recently. I mean, 23-year-old, really smart young lady from Switzerland. Um, and, you know, she, she I met her at a networking event, and she was being circled by the, by, by a, a number of business coaches um, who were very aggressively trying to get her to pay a lot of money for the kind of um, support and guidance that I think you should always be able to get from your peer group, particularly if you're members of things like the Institute of Directors or various MBA alumni. Um, and I said to her, hey, look, you know, what are you trying to do? And I, I said, look, let's, let's meet. You know, she gets like, explained to me what her project was. And we met over for, for a coffee and we kept meeting every two weeks. 
And we did that for about three months. And the objective we established very early, she needed help on how to get onto an accelerator program. She knew that's what she wanted. She knew that was the route that she needed to take her product, you know, to take to take to get her product realized. Um, but she didn't really have the business acumen and understanding on how to package that together in a way that the accelerators would go, yes, absolutely. So I just gave paid it forward. I worked with her to do that. And she's now on, an, on a nice accelerator program and having a whale of a time by the sound of it from the messages that I get from her from time to time. Um, and so to me, it's kind of like, well, if I can help someone, you know, maybe when she's a, a multi-billionaire, she'll remember little old me, you know. <laughs> she, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. You know, when she has a big launch party, hopefully I'll get an invite, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, that, I mean, I mean, exactly. You know, that's why people like you are so valuable for something like this. So thanks a lot. <laughs> no, pleasure. Great. Um, so what is infinity loop consulting all about uh can you can you describe a little bit more i i I, i'm pretty sure i didn't do a great job at doing it can you talk a little bit more about what it is and and where where is it going so infinity loop consulting um i hate to to use the word management consulting but that's that's the closest analogy to to what we actually do so essentially we work with organizations um to help them achieve more with the skills and resources that they've got so we're about increasing the performance of a business we're, we're, we're about giving an objective view and it's it's experience it's about giving them the support on the back of you know in my case i've had a number of businesses that have been moderately successful other people within the team have had even more success than me in some cases um but fundamentally you know we're also a bunch of mba grads from top 100 schools who are just like hey we've got the experience but more importantly we've also got the the bits of paper the qualifications to actually come into a business and say hey this is how this can be made better this is how we can increase your profitability Um, and we uh, we work with our customers on a shared risk shared reward basis so we only get paid on the basis of the profitability impact we have now um, I really love it to be honest with you it's very results driven it's very much about creating value and we spent 18 months testing the model uh, as I said around the world Um, we're now sort of kicking off our sort of business development activity here in the UK. Um, so if anyone you know, particularly feels that their business could use a little bit of help and support and wants to, to, to grow their business, then please feel free to reach out. Um, but really, it's about, you know, I think one of the issues that is quite dominant in consulting is that everything falls down to billable hours, whereas the infinity loop approach is, well, you don't pay for pay us for advice. You pay us to actually come and get it done. And so help you really move forward and equip you to grow. So that's that's what we're all about. I see. What's what's a typical size of, of the clients? And are you focused on any specific industries or, or areas of work? So we don't focus on any particular industry. Um, the reason for that is across the team, um, I think we've probably got coverage of every single industry around, realistically, from civil service to big pharma manufacturing. Um where the size of organizations we really like to work with are companies that are perhaps um we don't work with the micro business market but we do work very much in the mid market so companies with a turnover anywhere between maybe 10 to up to about 50 um, million sterling a year i see i see interesting so uh, going back to one specific question which i kind of asked uh, regarding the mba so if i placed you in a room with the mba program directors and lecturers you know what would you tell them that can help them improve their program i think for me it would be about getting the students more hands-on exposure to as wide a range of challenges as you possibly can and don't let the students select their own teams 
purposely create teams that are going to have friction, are going to have challenges internally as well as the external challenges for, by providing their skills to a client. I think that's that's what I would encourage every MBA school to do. Um, Westminster has done it very, very well. And, uh, you know, I hope they continue to do so. I'm, I'm sure they will. Um, but I do think that the pragmatic application of knowledge that's where you create value as a as an mba graduate that's really where we all create value as human beings um no, nobody wants to pay for advice anymore Adv- advice is cheap right you can google it and someone's got an opinion yeah i think it's a really interesting point you know creating uh, teams that that will have some kind of friction because in the real world that there, there are situations where you have friction with your own team members and and you just have to navigate around that yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, put three people in a room and what you get is politics. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I, I can stress to... How many business partners do you have in this current one? <laughs> oh, gosh, it's about 20 of us. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it's very much... Uh, I, I, I mean, we operate under the Infinity Loop brand, but the I'm very much the lead founder. And that's the understanding and agreement that we, we, we stuck to, largely because it was me that opened my mouth first about the idea of this <laughs> new op- operating model for us and a new engagement model. Um, the reality is that sometimes you're going to, you know, you're not always going to be able to have, choose your own team. Whether you're, work, you know, you're, whether you're working for a large multinational when you're appointed as a new manager for a new team of people, or, you know, perhaps if you're working at more on a consulting basis, there's going to be people that have got skills that you need to get the job done, but you're personally, you're not going to gel. You're not going to click. Now, more of, I would think, assume more often than not that most MBA graduates would at least be aspiring to be leaders of those teams. And one of the things that, you know, the MBA w- should certainly give you the confidence to do is to adapt how you communicate and interact with those people who you might not naturally click with. And, and obviously, you know, if you've worked in teams where you've had that little bit of friction, differences of core values, it's about understanding, well, how can you find common ground? Um, my suggestion to most people is start off with food. We all eat. And it's a, a pretty safe conversation and, you know, make your way from there. <laughs> any any specific kind of food do you think that that actually a good starting point as well? <laughs> uh, anything sweet. I, in my experience, every culture around the world likes sweet food. So desserts, <laughs> I mean... Um, I, I got into the habit with some of my uh, MBA alumni is that we, we'd actually, you know, new project team, let's go and uh, go and do a, um, a, a visit somewhere to eat. Um, because actually it's a nice informal atmosphere. You can get to know each other a little bit and then you can kind of, you know, that whole forming, storming, norming, performing cycle. Um, and it can get you through that forming cycle pretty quickly, hopefully. Absolutely, no, really great point. So, so you know, you, you had a you had a lot of good things to say about Westminster University. Uh, let me ask you on the flip side: what are some of the things that you think were not good, and uh, or some of the improvement points for University of Westminster specifically? Um, for the University of Westminster, I, I think one thing they're very, very bad at is marketing their own MBA. Um, <laughs> that's kind of true, themselves. you know. I mean, unless it I would is. have met you through, you know, other networking means, I, I, that's not that wasn't on top of my head. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I've met people and, and interviewed people from CAS, from Harvard, um, you know, from from your top UK schools and a couple of the US schools. Um, I have no particular bias because, you know, because I think very much an MBA really it's about the person, not necessarily the school they go to. Um, but for me, Westminster, is, you know, it's, it's certainly a source of frustration, although they seem to be getting a little bit better recently. But they're really bad at telling, telling people about their successes, um, at telling people about the achievements of their alumni. 
you know, mm. most people that I think of that have gone through through uh, the Westminster MBA program, even those that aren't necessarily from my graduating year, from from previous cohorts that have gone through, I've met so many of them where I I see them come up on my LinkedIn feed. You might know this person, and I'll ping them a mail, and you see what they're doing. And you know, lots of them within a couple of years of finishing their MBA, they're actually in fairly senior roles or they're running their own business. And, and certainly the, you know, for me, Westminster needs to really celebrate that more. Um, but, you know, I guess um, for, for a university that's quite, you know, it's not, it's not a big business school. It is a, a, a smaller one. Um, I guess their attention is focused elsewhere. elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or maybe they need maybe they need help from people like you. Who can actually go um, ahead and promote it? I've, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, I was actually there uh, a couple of weeks ago speaking to as an alumni speaking to the current intake of students, uh, and I did notice that there had been a bit of a dynamic shift, shall we say, uh, in the fact <laughs> that they were recording the content, for example, and that they were seem to be much more marketing focused. But I think part of that might be that the director of the MBA is a um, that she's from a marketing and PR background, so I think she's kind of one of the reasons perhaps that she's there is to push that along a little bit <laughs> <laughs> very nice very nice see what what is the one thing you wish i had asked you um there isn't anything really actually um to be honest no no can't think of anything <laughs> really okay uh let's let's put it in a different way um what 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 are some you know what are some of the tips that you are really dying to get out there to the world <laughs> okay so the thing i say to every mba or potential mba student is don't be afraid of failure. Um, for me, an MBA, it's a, it's a space for risk. It's a space where you can safely, um, to a certain extent, um, screw up. You can make mistakes. Try something new. Don't just sit there, pass the papers, and, and trundle along. Really take advantage of that environment, of that opportunity to broaden your skill set and to take yourself out of your comfort zone, um, that's the thing I think everyone should do. If you if you go, if you not if you don't want to do that, don't do an MBA. Go and do a, do something else. Um, but if you want to be taken out of your comfort zone and really seize that opportunity to really put yourself under a bit of a microscope, and it, it makes you uncomfortable. It does anybody. But I think that's probably the thing I wish you'd ask. There you go. Yeah. That would be that would be my key point. Yeah, that that's great. And in fact, I I, I would say that, that that's that's a super point. You know, something that uh, most people do miss out. And I would say go one step further. If the university or if the class does not give you that opportunity, just just go take that opportunity yourself. Just go find situations that make you uncomfortable because this is the best time to just go and do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, the, the beautiful thing about doing an MBA is that. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, re- you know, you're not going to be in a position where you can't pay your mortgage or rent at the end of the month because it's not your job. Yeah, it's your it is your learning space. That's the whole point. Um, and if you're just doing the same old, same old, then you're not really furthering your own self realization, if you will, your self analysis, self awareness. Um, and you know, I guess it's an, an opportunity for you to either discover discover or perhaps you know for the, for the lucky few to rediscover your purpose yeah absolutely steve this has been fantastic thanks a lot for your time this this is going to be a shorter episode but that's because you have made it so punchy i have i have nothing more to ask <laughs> fantastic keeps it nice and simple then <laughs> yeah <laughs> but thanks a lot for your time today steve uh, really great talking to you and hope to catch you soon again my pleasure thank you very much thank you take care bye-bye 
Thank you for listening to the MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to the MBAJam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.